1: This is the Spurs Cast with your host, Paul Garcia.
2: And welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Cast. On today's episode, I will be joined by Project Spurs writer Colin Reed. In this episode, Colin and I will discuss the Spurs in their last four games, Malachi Branham's career high scoring night in his last two games, and the upcoming trade deadline Thursday. Let's jump right into this episode with Colin. Colin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well man this is it you know you and I are recording this on a Sunday evening and we know what's happening this week man on <laughs> Thursday it is the NBA trade deadline we actually got a surprising trade um Sunday during the day uh, Kyrie Irving was traded to the Dallas Mavericks that was made um hasn't been made official but that was a trade that was announced and so we're going to talk about some of the implications of that trade a little bit later on in this episode but before we do that Colin let's first jump into the San Antonio Spurs and how they are performing so Since the last Spurs cast I recorded about a week ago at Jonas Clark, the Spurs are still in that that losing streak. They they went 0-4 in their last four games. So let's go back to um, last Saturday. They're they're at home against the Phoenix Suns. They lose this game by 10 points, but they were very competitive. They lost it in overtime. Phoenix led for most of the game, but San Antonio did force overtime. The Spur of the game on this night was Kelvin Johnson. Then on Monday this week, uh, the Spurs hosted the Washington Wizards. They lost by 21. It was actually a close game throughout until late in the third quarter, the Wizards kind of took over and they, they pushed the lead into double digits. Again, the best player for San Antonio on this night was Kelden Johnson. Then on Wednesday, the Spurs hosted the Sacramento Kings. They lost by 10. This is actually a close game throughout, but Sacramento kind of held on to the, like, like I'd say, like 5 to like 10 point lead throughout most of the night. Uh, one uh, interesting note here was, was that the spur of the game for this night was Malachi Branham. He actually had a very good game for San Antonio. And then on Friday, the Spurs' most recent loss came to the hands of the Philadelphia 76 67- Sixers who uh, beat the Spurs in San Antonio by 12 points Philly led comfortably throughout this game but the Spurs did get the the Sixers lead all the way down to 12 in the fourth quarter and that forced um, coach Doc Rivers to actually bring in his starters for for a bit there in the fourth and again the the best player on the floor for San Antonio on this night was Malachi Branham so Colin the Spurs went 0-4 they were projected to go in four. they are now on an eight-game losing streak what are your thoughts on how they've played in these last four games you know this is something we
1: had talked about last time where there's just so many things that kind of go into a game. And, and one of those really is the talent of each group. And a, a team can have a, a system, they can have execution, and they can try. And, and the Spurs, even when they're fully healthy, they, a lot of these games, like the Sixers, are one of the best teams in the East. Like They've been yeah. looking like they, they... If they made it to the finals with how they have played recently, no one would be surprised. And even when the Spurs are fully healthy that's a challenge for them, but they haven't been. So I think, you know, I know people make fun of the moral victories or whatever, but I think that for Spurs fans who are understanding that this season is about, you know, the first step to the next great Spurs team, those four losses, but especially the last two, the one to the Kings and the one to the Sixers are basically the best case scenario. Like, you're, mm-hmm. you're getting better draft odds, but this team is competing with good teams. Yep. And especially, I think what's encouraging is, you know, your spur of the game being Malachi Branham. You know, Malachi Branham being the best spur on the court in two consecutive games where they're these aren't, you know, the Kings, I know what their reputation is, but they're like third in the West, so they have been for yes. a long time. Um, the Sixers, like I said, they could come out of the East. So you're talking about, the best player on the floor for the Spurs being a rookie. And when he came out, it was, you know, and I know we're going to talk about this more, but but you're just seeing the things that, you know, because every draft, it's not necessarily the player is going to be this. It's going to be, you know, at their high end, they could be this. At their low end, they could be this. And he's starting to flash those things that we heard he could be at his high end, which is honestly a player that could fit onto any team, especially, like I said, the next iteration of the Spurs. So, you know, when it comes to helping their lottery odds but also look competitive, this four-game stretch, but especially those last two games, I think went as good as anyone could have hoped for.
2: And, and I think one stat that really shows this is that, you know, I, I know we talk about that stat where they they they're owing like 39 or something like that when they lose by when they fall behind by double-digit. So we know that they can't make a double-digit comeback. However, they don't go behind by 20 a lot. And that kind of shows that competitive nature of this team. The fact that they are in almost every game that they played this season, it's very rare that they get like fully blown out, like 20, 30 point deficits. That doesn't happen a lot. Like we show here, yes, they got blown out by the uh, by the Wizards, but that was like one out of those three games. Like, again, they're very competitive with some pretty good ball clubs. All right, so now, Colin, let's talk about how they are through, the, through 53 games overall. So they are still 28th on offense, still 30th on defense, still 30th in that rating. They are 14 and 39 overall. 14th out west uh they are on that 8 game losing streak now for the second time this season they do begin the rodeo road trip on monday at chicago and one thing this losing streak has done for them is is it has improved their lottery odds they are now the third worst team uh in the league and so that means they have the 14 percent chance at the number one overall pick and if they were to land there you know with the third worst record by the end of the year Going into the lottery, they would be guaranteed either the first through seventh pick. You know, that's just that's they wouldn't fall no worse than seventh in a lottery. And if um, they end up with third, right now they're projected that that the player they would likely draft would be um, Amin a- a- Thompson. Uh, I-, I did the tankathon draft simulation before this episode. It took me seven tries, seven clicks before I finally got the Spurs with the number one pick. But hey, that's better because I mean, I think a week ago it was like 19 tries before I got the number one pick. So the fact that they went from fourth to third has increased that that probability a little bit better. Uh, what are your thoughts just on the on the season as a whole and where they stand? kind of in the lottery picture
1: well it's kind of funny that it took you seven tries because 14 percent is exactly like one in seven so that's like right on the money there (laughs) um i think one thing and i've been saying this a lot and i know that the people who really pay attention know this but i do think it's important that we continue to say this just because i think you know you you see all these spurs fans say oh my gosh if we get the worst odds the next year we'll have wimby and everything's going to be great Mm -hmm. they are in the third they have the third worst record right now they cannot, by getting a worse record, increase their chance to get the number one pick. 14% is the highest it goes. Like Mm -hmm. the first, second, and third all have the same. So even if the Spurs held this third spot, they're going to have the same exact chance to get the first overall pick here than they would with the first overall pick. What really changes is that downside risk that you are talking about. If you have the worst record, the, the furthest back you could go is fifth so Mm -hmm. that's really what they're talking about at this point now that they've gotten into that bottom three like the upside for this is as high as it's going to get but you know to improve those improve those lottery odds if they if they continue to climb which they have this nine game road trip coming up um then the worst they could get is five and i think with this draft you know obviously if the spurs walked away with the the fifth pick in the draft, a lot of fans would be disappointed. But I do think that with this draft, you're you're walking away with a player who's going to be an impact starter. So I, I think that's just kind of the framework to put this in, is right now the Spurs aren't competing for a higher draft pick on the top side, but more of like, what's their downside risk here? If If, you know, four teams jump ahead of them, which is incredibly unlikely, but if four teams jump ahead of them, you know, they could fall to seventh. But I I think, like I said, I know you know that, and I know a lot of the, like, hardcore fans know that, but it's something that, you know, you still see this feeling of, oh, if they get the worst record, it's almost like the league just gifts them the best player in the draft or something, which is not how that works. So, um, yeah, and, and, you know, I think out of all of this, the defense, you know, you talked about through fifty-three games. The defense is the most interesting part to me, and I know that there have been a lot of injuries, but when we looked yeah. at the Spurs roster before the season, I think how I saw it was, you know, they're going to be, like, decent on defense, but they just have, like, mm-hmm. zero offensive creation, and that's going to, like, really kill them. Um, And so it's just surprising. I mean, their offense is 28, so it's not like they're <laughs> – setting the league on fire but it's surprising to see the offense higher because you looked up and down their roster and you would think they have uh, a team that's more slanted to defense than offense so i think the 30th is a little bit surprising there and i think that has to do a little bit with injuries and just kind of with all the up in the air but through 53 games i would say you know it's not a surprise that they have the third worst record but that defense i think is what's the surprise to me
2: yeah. And I would just add too, like the chances of them getting the, uh, the seventh overall pick would just be, it's like a 7% chance. It's not really that, you know, that big. Good deal um you know they basically now being in the top three they have a 52 percent chance of getting a top four pick so that's kind of what you're looking at uh with them being there in third all right colin so this is a player that we talked about just a while ago here and i want to kind of dive in a little bit better um a little bit more uh to him and that's malachi Branham. uh I, again i want to say s- small sample size alert it's obviously just two games we never usually do that you know here on the spurs cast look at a two-game sample size but he's had some really good games in these last two games against sacramento and philly so let's let's look at his career high scoring nights that he had against these two teams so um against the kings uh malachi goes uh for 22 points on 13 shot attempts five assists zero turnovers in 32 minutes and we did see that trey jones got hurt early in this game and so he was he was relied upon as one of those players who had to run run the point for the team you know bring the ball up be be one of the players in the half court initiating pick and roll offense so then the next uh two nights later when they play the sixers they the spurs know that trey jones is out for the game so now they actually start malachi there at the point uh and so he ends up with 26 points a new career high after the 22 previously on 16 shot attempts and i did want to note 14 of those um 26 points came in the paint so he's getting in there with that little um floater range shot that he has there in the paint he also got a layup against the uh, the sixers he also has three assists two turnovers in 35 minutes uh again one thing we saw was that he's running the one uh with jones out he's getting just this is like really good for his development it's just he's just getting rep after rep after rep of pick and roll offense i mean just getting to do that a lot against against good defenses too like the sixers and, and um and then he's also showed, of course, throughout the season, his three-level scoring ability. And so when you look at his stats overall, his shooting stats, he's actually pretty efficient so far almost everywhere from the floor except the above-the-break three. And even like his wide-open threes, they, they were very slow to come up, come along, but they're almost at one point per shot uh, pretty soon here. But, I mean, he's he's definitely showing that three-level that three scoring ability. And one thing that's really impressed me is how kind of – patient and calm he looks when he gets um you know off a pick and he has like that defender on his back and he's kind of like a little bit he uses a little hesitation dribble a little bit pretty well for a rookie and so i've just been really impressed with what that he's done these last two games what, what have been your observations of him in these last two games
1: yeah i think it's just um you know i'm kind of so focused as the rebuilding season has started and, and there's going to be a couple more of that i've started doing a lot of thinking of like what are like the building blocks for like a championship team? Like what are the things that the Spurs should be targeting as they're going through this rebuild? And when you talk about an offensive player who I don't think he projects to be the primary pick and roll handler on a championship team, but let's say you have that guy, but you can give um, Branham some of the reps there. You can let him run some of the possessions or he can play off ball and he can score efficiently from all three levels. That is a player that contributes at a high level. Like that's mm-hmm. the type of player that teams need. I mean, this is not at all comparing him to Kyrie Irving. But let's say he continues his trajectory to that type of player. The player can be the second or third ball handler and run the pick and roll at the second or third usage and score efficiently from all over the floor. The reason why the Dallas Mavericks just made this trade for Kyrie Irving was because they need a player just like that. They needed a Mm -hmm. player who could like soak up some of the possessions for Luka Doncic, but could also score efficiently off the ball. And so, like, that just goes to show that that's a very high value player in today's NBA. So, if he continues developing this way, if he continues developing as someone who can score at all three levels and can use some of those possessions and create that on his own, um, you know, like that's a hit in the draft at the 20th pick. You know, like that, I think everyone who's watching kind of this rebuild is, is waiting for like, well, when is that home run pick going to happen? But you still need those firsts or seconds, you know, Yeah. <laughs> the, you, you know, you, you need to get on base with some of them and, and yeah. that this, this would be a hit for sure. So I, I think that's a really exciting prospect here because I think for me personally, it's still so early, but I think mm-hmm. if in four or five years, the Spurs are like, a playoff contender again, maybe not a championship contender, but they're like one of those playoff teams again. I think we'll look back at the 2022 draft and say like, they really nailed that draft. Like it's right now, again, there's still mm-hmm. a lot of time between now and then, but just especially after a couple of drafts where like it was good, but not great. And then sometimes when they really didn't get any value out of the draft, that 2022 draft is really looking like a very successful draft night for them so far which is like the most you can hope for with some a team that had three picks
2: yeah no I totally agree with you there and I just think that it's going to be a great opportunity for Brandon continuing as the season goes along just because the Spurs are just getting you know hammered with injuries right now so they have a lot of minutes for him and then also with the trade deadline coming up they might move out some guards so there could be you know even more minutes there for him so yeah he's just doing really good especially in these last two games and we do want to note that it was only two games all right. So now our final topic. Oh, actually, no, before that, there's actually a trade rumor this week. I forgot to explore that. So um, real quick uh, before, before we go into the, to the trade deadline, I'm um, hypotheticals. Uh, the Spurs were rumored Colin, in a, in a trade. Um, um, rumor for, for Charlotte Hornets forward, Jalen McDaniels. This was reported back on Monday by Sham Sharani of the, of the athletic. And so the big takeaways are that, that the Suns, the Raptors, the jazz, the Pacers and the Spurs are closer, closely monitoring McDaniels uh, to, Teams within cap space this coming summer, such as the Spurs and Pacers and Jazz, they may just wait until free agency to, to go out and try to pursue McDaniels. Uh, McDaniels is earning $1.9 million this season, and the next year he's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, the Spurs do um, according to Profit X's um, um, team fit model the Spurs are actually one of the teams that pop up very well where he would actually play very well according to their projections Uh, they they have a a recommendation for a trade package that would look like maybe like McDaniels for Isaiah Roby and then the Spurs would probably since they want McDaniels they're probably sending um, Charlotte a second round pick in this case and then uh, where does McDaniels uh, contract project this coming offseason he's kind of expected to get a a, a deal right below um, the mid-level exception so around 8.9 million according to Profit X what are your thoughts uh, Colin on this rumor about Jalen McDaniels and the Spurs having interest in him
1: I think just kind of considering the teams that do have interest in him um, and considering that he is an unrestricted free agent this summer um, I do think that that I think if the right deal becomes available if, if they're talking to the Hornets and there is a deal where they feel like they're not giving up too many assets then that would be one thing but the Spurs are going to have an insane amount of cap space this summer. (laughs) And I think, I think really with this type of player, the Spurs are using their roster spots correctly. You know, it's like, uh, I know a lot of people call it like the second draft or whatnot, where you take a player who, who you think has high upside, maybe you evaluated them very highly at the draft or at some point during their professional career. And you think in your system, they could really hit. Um, And, and I think, that's kind of what they're going to be doing with a lot of their roster spots here over the next couple of years. I think that a lot of the teams you mentioned having interest in trading for him also had interest in signing him in free agency. I think like the Suns were one big uh, team on there who couldn't do that. And I think the Suns might make that deal at the deadline. But I also think the Suns have quite a bit of other things going on. They have a couple of other moves that they're going to be needing to be making. So I, I think that unless they just feel like they're getting a very good uh, deal on the asset side. um, If I were in the front office, I feel like I would wait and just see if we can sign him in free agency. Um, But you know, if maybe if, if they really think he's going to pop in the spur system and they just really know there's a lot of interest and the only way they can like, kind of prove to him that he's a fit and find out for themselves is to like make a deal. Now I could see them, maybe making that decision and really that's kind of the hard thing about these trades is that we have public stats and we have public evaluations all of Mm -hmm. these teams have internal stuff that's like completely proprietary to themselves they have analysis on every player in the nba all the players in the g league all of the players overseas and in college and so how the spurs evaluate him could be completely different than what even we're seeing, even with these more advanced models. So it, it's hard to know exactly what their interest level is here, but if, if they are seeing something that's making them feel like they need to bring him into their system now, that's where I feel like maybe they would be more aggressive in making the deal. But I do think uh, there's not a whole lot of risk in waiting for the offseason.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. Again, I don't, I don't know if that they would just like you know have to set a, they would want to send out a second round pick for a player who's about to enter free agency, um, you know, with just just a handful, not a handful, but uh, just a few games left here in the season. All right, so now let's get into these uh the latest in the trade kind of, well actually I don't really the trade rumor mill. What I'm gonna do here is for this last part is we're gonna play a game. You know, this is I don't even know who created this, but I've, you hear it a lot of podcasts. You know, who says no when you look at deals for teams? So that's what we're gonna do, Colin, in, in this segment here. And so what I've done is I've kind of listened to a bunch of different podcasts. I have read um, you know, just things that have come out in different Articles from different outlets, and so I've kind of summarized it here, and I've also used a lot of um, information from Profit X that I'm going to talk about here. So, let's first talk about uh Yaku trades. Um, so what are the Spurs seeking for Pertle according to reports? According to Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype, uh, he he last reported that the Spurs are seeking two first round picks for Pertle, um, and they might have to just settle for like one first round pick in a developing young player. Um, so we know that two of the teams that have been uh, mentioned with Pertle's name, um, multiple tire in different outlets are the Boston Celtics and, and uh, Toronto Raptors. So profit X, they, uh, they have like a trade package model that they kind of pre- um, recommend trade packages for players. And so they recommend Grant Williams for Pirtle. Uh The deal might look like, so that, again, Grant Williams for portal is what pops up on the screen. So then I have to actually build a deal out and f- find out, you know, what, what would it look like to get the contracts to work? So I, I figured with um for this deal, you would probably have grant uh, maybe like a protected first round pick from Boston, Justin Jackson and Blake Griffin, for Purtle. Uh, who says no in the steal?
1: I, I think it's the Celtics and I mm-hmm. think that the reason for that is Grant is such a valuable player for them yes. to come playoff times. And yes. if they didn't have Robert Williams, this would be a completely different story. But I do think that Purtle is a little bit um redundant, which is like not a terrible thing to have, but when you're losing, you know, big man switchability, which you know the ability to go from rim protection to big man switchability is so important in the playoffs. That's like one of the biggest trends we've seen since the Warriors took over. And to lose that for like a second rim protecting big when they because like if, if Grant Williams goes out, I guess this is some insurance for that. But I, I think for me, when I when I see a deal and I'm like, man, if I'm the Spurs, I would take that in a heartbeat. I have to feel like the other team says no.
2: Yeah. I'm one hundred percent with you. I think the Celtics say you no, know, I think grants just too too valuable to them right now. And again, Pertle's gonna mostly be like a backup center for them in, in this kind of case in this scenario. so I just don't see why Boston would do that. All right. let's go to the let's go to the next team. And we'll, and you could say, um um we're just going to summarize these two deals for Toronto. So Profit X recommends um Precious Sechua, uh, Malachi Flynn for Pertle. So to build to to build a trade package, you would probably have um Precious Flynn and maybe like a contract like Wancho Hernan Gomez and a first for Pertle. Or they also recommend Precious Achua, Malachi Flynn, and Ken Birch for Pertle. Um, that, that deal just works straight up. Uh, who says no in, in one of these uh, two hypothetical situations?
1: I think, I think both of these are getting a lot closer. Because I think, you know, as you and I have looked at a lot of trades over the years. And one of the things that I've used to train my internal, like, trade thing is if you read a deal and it's like, your initial reaction is like, that's not super exciting. Like that's usually like a very realistic trade. <laughs> um, I yeah. think Precious Sechua, you know, they, they makes the, the big position younger for the Spurs. He's shown upside at points. He's maybe not quite as established as Pirtle, but you know, you, you would see why a team in the Spurs position would make that swing. Um, but the Raptors are getting an established, talented player back. Especially if they don't move on from one of their like big three at this mm-hmm. point, um, that makes them more solid as they make an end of the year push. Uh, looking at the two deals, see that's hard because you know the centerpiece I think makes a lot of sense. But now when we're talking about, what is the difference here? It's Kim Birch or Juancho Hernan Gomez. That, yeah. That's hard <laughs> yeah. to say which one is better or worse. Um, I uh, I feel like the Raptors would rather want the Juancho deal, okay. uh, which makes me feel like the Spurs would rather have uh, the Kim Birch deal. But I, at that point, I, I think if, if the, the two teams are –
0: And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba. Reliant on Achua, Flynn in the first. I think the deal gets done no matter what the rest of the salary is. <laughs> but I, I, I think between those two deals, if both sides are interested in something like that, that is kind of, like I said, honestly... You know, the boring trades are the ones that end up being more accurate more of the time. I think that, that one is sounds the most realistic of, of the ones that we have looked at and that we're going to, honestly
2: okay so i, I kind of agree with you there i the only thing from my position is um i don't know how 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 invested toronto is in trying to continue to compete because i mean i just look today and they're like they're not even in, in the playing in range right now and so that's why i don't know if they want to you know give up you know two players on rookie contracts and flynn and precious uh, and then also first round pick with even if it's protected for pertle um and you know he could still walk away there's no guarantees him to stay in toronto you know after this so i i, I i'm I would say yes, that one looks realistic, but again, I'm very hesitant because I don't know where Toronto's at. You know, also, are they, are they trading OG this week? Are they trading, you know, um, um, you know what's his name? Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet. There's just a lot of questions with Toronto, so uh, I'm, I'm a little hesitant on that one right now. I, I don't know if the, the Raptors say yes just because of where, where they're at right now as a franchise. Uh, but there has been a lot of rumors. I mean, this is like two or three years now of Pirtle Toronto interest. You know, it's, there's definitely some definitely um, interest from Toronto there. All right. The next deal let's look at is um, one that was written on the ringer.com by, by the writer, Michael Pina. Um, he had a suggestion of Mike Muscala, a lottery protected 2023 pick for OKC and an, a Clippers unprotected 2024 pick for uh, first for Pirtle. Uh When I do this financially, it doesn't really work. So I I, I would have to put Kenrich Williams in this deal and he, and he's on the final year of his deal. Uh, we do want to note that the Thunder do have a 10, point one million dollar trade exception uh so they could fit purtel's contract into that trade exception who says no in this case okay so this is something that i
1: think we're going to go into a little bit more later but this is a good spot to start with i'm going to say the Thunder say no for the simple reason that if their internal evaluations are that purtel is a player that fits their needs they could sign him this offseason yeah and um Mm -hmm. looking at so i have uh spotrack up here um Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Mark Stein said that he's looking for a deal in the $20 million range, and we are assuming two things to be true. Either he wants to stay with the Spurs because he likes the culture, or he would like to go to a team that is good and is competing now or competing in the near-term future. And you know, with how the Thunder have played this season, you could say maybe he could convince himself of that. But when you look at teams that could open up that much cap space just by, you know, waving cap holds and stuff... um, the Thunder are one of those teams. There's like 12 yeah. teams. And if you look at like the Venn diagram of teams who have a need at center and teams who could open up that space, there's only two teams that, that fit one of those two criteria, being going back to the Spurs because he likes the culture or being on a team that's on the up and up or contending or whatever. And those two teams are the Spurs and the Thunder. So that that's part of why, you know, we're going to talk about that last point where I feel like the Spurs can go into the summer and feel like, you know, if they need to sign and trade them, they can sign and trade them. The only risky team there is the Thunder, but I don't really know how much they're going to look at like their uh, roster needs and say like we really need a center. <laughs> um, yeah. If that were the, was the evaluation they they made, I don't know why they would give up um, two firsts uh, for a player that they could open up the cap space for to sign this summer. That, that's kind of where I'm at with that is it just seems like a lot of assets when they are one of the few teams that might actually meet the requirements of first signing Pirtle this offseason.
2: Okay, I'm with you there too And I wasn't even thinking about that point About the fact that they're going to have cap space this summer They could easily be a team that signs so but that So you just convinced me even more But just going into this one I was just like It reminds me of the Toronto deal Where like the Thunder aren't really competing yet You know, they're not quite in that playing range Why are they sacrificing a first round pick That 2024 unprotected for Perto Just for a few months You know, again, he could end up leaving this summer uh, So again, I, I'm kind of not not convinced on, on that one either all right, so this one was I, I it was from one of the Ringer podcasts. I believe it was Bill Simmons' podcast. Um and I don't remember who said it, but they were just like it was like a panel of of um, of um you know uh, people on on the podcast and, and they they had some different trade ideas. So I, I don't know exactly which podcast it was. I think it was Bill Simmons' podcast. But they floated this idea of Ben Simmons for Jakob Perto and Josh Richardson. Um and so to get a deal done, um we do want to note that Brooklyn has um its own first in 2029 and also they just got a 2029 um uh, first from Dallas for Kyrie. So maybe that's where you get those two first for Purtle. Um uh, ben does have multiple years on his contract. Uh, so again, the Spurs are taking on his salary and then, um, you know, Purtle and Richardson would be, be with Brooklyn for one year and then they can end up being unrestricted for agents in the offseason. Who says no on this uh, Ben Simmons for Purtle and Richardson deal? So this one is interesting because you,
1: I, I think we get to the point where Brooklyn says no, but you have to kind of like go through. It's like uh, when chess players have to think several moves ahead. Yeah. Because at first, this sounds great for the Nets, which is why I think the Spurs will want more assets. And then they're gonna to get to the point where the Nets are like, Well, these two players could walk in free agency and we're talking about Jakob Pertle and Josh Richardson. We're not gonna throw in that many assets. So at you know, I think the deal would break down at that point. Because uh, you know, I think Seth Partnow on Twitter said, you know, they're one more big the Nets after this trade or one more big away from like being playoff scary. And you yeah. look at this team, I feel like they could be. They don't have quite the same like uh, second and third player that the 2019 Raptors did, but I could see if the Nets wanted to do that this this trade deadline where they have like um, Kevin Durant and then just like a super solid roster around him. And like we've seen how Toronto had something similar to that and how successful that was, so I think there could be something really interesting there. Um, I do think they lose some of their def- defensive identity sending out Ben Simmons there. I, I actually think Josh Richardson and Purdo could help Brooklyn. I just think that the Spurs losing that optionality of cap space, which is such a big deal for them, like they they would probably start asking for more assets like I said, and I think at that point the Nets would be like, why why are we giving you more than just a first for this? And that's when the talks fall apart. So I think Brooklyn ultimately says no after the Spurs like say, well, this might this construction might work, but we're going to need more. I think that's okay. where we get to with this deal. It's it's kind of convoluted, but in my head, I'm like working through like, yeah, yeah. yeah I think Brooklyn ends up saying no.
2: <laughs> so right now, I, I think Brooklyn says no just because they don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Durant. I mean, we haven't seen anything on the record yet about where his where his mindset is. Is he going to ask for a trade in this coming week? You know, with Kyrie now officially gone, we we haven't quite got that and. I really do think this is this makes them competitive. They can they have a chance of getting out of Simmons's contract. But like you said, for the Spurs' perspective, I don't know if that they want you know even though yes they have a ton of cap space right now. I don't know if they want those like thirty six, thirty seven million um, on on their books for the next like three to four years, whatever his his deal is. So. And uh, yeah, and then again, I, I just it comes back to the Pertle situation with this contract. The fact that he's not on multi multiple year contract right now, you know, I just can't see teams giving up one, um, you know, one or, or two first round picks for him. I mean, you know, unprotected kind of first round picks for him right now at this point, just because of that, it's just a big gamble for an organization. So I would say no on that one. Um, this is also one that I heard on, on the uh, on the Ringer podcast. I, I, again, I, I don't know who what the actual deal was, but I just heard like Pertle for Aiton. Um, so in order to build a deal, a deal with with the Suns, I, I put Pertle and and Joshua. Richardson or Doug McDermott for Aiden. This works financially. Um, and we do know Phoenix has all their first. Uh, again, I don't, I'm not very comfortable with this, this, this trade for either for, um, for both either San Antonio or Phoenix. What are your thoughts on this one?
1: Yeah, I, I think part of me just goes like, okay, well, what are the Spurs?
2: <laughs> yeah. Like or,
1: exactly. Not, yeah. yeah. What are the Spurs? Doing? And then what are the, the Suns do? I think both sides say no. That's an amazing. Yeah, amazing that's me too. Yeah. Sides. Yeah, because early in the summer, before DeJounte Murray got traded, uh, I know that Aiton was linked to the Spurs. And I think my big mm-hmm. thing was, you know, Pertle maybe isn't quite as good as Aiton, but he's like closer than I think people realize. So why are the Suns trading a slightly less good, but kind of close to Aiton level player and also maybe sending assets? And then the Spurs, like I said, the Spurs big asset right now is going to be their cap space where they can they're really going to get most of their draft assets through using their cap space to facilitate deals and to tie it all up in Ayton you're really making a big bet that you think he's going to be part of the future of this team in a big way so I, I feel like it just doesn't make sense for either team so I think both say no
2: yeah, I agree with you there. I'm not, I'm not you know convinced for that that trade either. And then there was also some mention on the Ring, on one of the Ringer podcasts about Pirtle to Portland. And so to get a deal done, um, you know, just one that I built was would be Pirtle for Nurkic, which Nurkic has multiple years on his contract. Uh, you know, Portland gives up a first and maybe even a. I think the San Antonio wants another first in this scenario just because they're taking on Nurkic's contract. I don't think either team says yes to this. What are you, are you, you agree with me there?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I, I know I keep talking about the future money, but I think if they're making a trade at this deadline, that's going to be something they're pretty concerned about, especially when the sign-in trade in the off season, you know, they'll probably be taking on future money, but at that point, you know, they might be able to get um, more in return because it's the off season and another team is getting Pirtle on like a longer-term deal, like probably like a three-year deal or something in that range. Like, it, it just, it does, I, I think, this is where we are getting to where these deals in season actually are kind of hard to make. I think people are like, Oh, it's a trade deadline. And it's like, well, you know, so many things have to come together just for two teams to make a trade. Like it has to make sense for both sides. And I do agree because I mean, Nurkic's contract for next season is less than 17 million. So it's, it's definitely like, I I think it makes more sense. Like the Spurs getting two firsts and Mm -hmm. Nurkic like that's, you know, closer to the value they're looking for. It's not tying up all of their space like the Ben Simmons and and stuff would. But, um, you know, if that's the best trade on the table, I think they say another team's going to have a better deal in the yeah. summer. We're just going to hold on
2: to him. Okay, yeah, actually, I take that back. I think Santona would take that in their just contract and two first. But again, I think Portland says no way. Just wait. So I think it's, it says no there. All right. And then just some last notes. I do want to note that the Clippers are a team to watch um, because they have a $9.3 million trade exception. So again, it expires on February 10th. So uh, again, um, I know that they're, they're seeking a backup, a backup big, but again, I don't think that they want to give up first for Purtle, Uh, just because he'll be coming off the bench. They have a Vika Zubak there. And then kind of what you mentioned, Colin, is that that according to multiple reports, Pertle is seeking about a $20 million um, per range deal this off. C- um, and I do want to note that Profit X is, um, has his projected amount in like the sixteen point seven million dollars range, or like as high as nineteen. So that kind of that kind of comes that that kind of makes some sense there, where that number is coming from. All right, so now uh, let's play, let's let's look at some Josh trades, um, some Josh Richardson trades. So, what are the Spurs seeking for Richardson? According to Hoops Hypes, uh, Michael Scotto, they're seeking one second round pick. Um, so, this one I don't really have. There's not like a lot of teams that are rumored to, um, it, with interest in, in um, Richardson. So, according to Profit X, here are the teams that kind of um, where he would fit best according to their model: uh, the Indiana Pacers, the Knicks, the Thunder the Timberwolves Blazers and 76 ers for this one. I'm just going to go through um, all the notes here that you can just tell me if there's a deal that you like, if not or that would work for both teams. If not, uh, we, we can, we can just move on. So first the Pacers, um, what would a deal look like that I created? Um, it would be like Richardson and a second round pick for O'Shea Brissette or just another role player. They have multiple role players that they could, they could fit in with salary. Um, since, and they have like a lot of room below the tax. So, so, that, so it's pretty easy to make a deal there with Indiana, the Knicks. Um, there's not really a good package that I could put together for a second round pick to land Richardson unless they unless San Antonio is asking for a first to take on the contracts of either Derrick Rose or Evan Fournier. Uh, OKC it's tough to build a deal with them right now. Uh, the Timberwolves, a, a package that could, that could work would be like Torian Prince, Bryn Forbes, and a second round pick for Josh Richardson. Uh, and then as far as Philly and Portland, it's tough to find deals. And then there is no team with a large enough trade exception to um take in uh, Josh Richardson's contract. Is there any deals that you would like for both teams or or no?
1: Um, So one does stick out there. I do have to say real quick because I cannot read. Uh, so this is taking it back a bit. Nurkic actually okay. has three guaranteed seasons after this one. So yes. the, I, I said one. That's just wrong. But um, Mm -hmm. the deal I'm looking at is that Wolves deal. Bring Forbes home. Uh, He always needs to be on the Spurs between stops. And um, I think, you know, he's going to find another forever home after the Spurs again. And then he will be sent back to the Spurs. I mean, if the Spurs, I, I think, you know, with the reporting of what they're looking for for Josh Richardson, and what they're looking for is Doug McDermott. I think, again, we talked about internal evaluation. I kind of feel like those internal evaluations are backwards. But, I mean, if what they're looking for is one second round pick, then I think that deal makes sense. I, I think, you know, what you're really looking for from a second is, I I can't remember where I heard it from. I think it was the dunked on guys, but they were referencing someone else's research. I think it's like the 45 or 43 pick. Anything Mm -hmm. before that has a lot of value, and anything after that, like a player after the 43 or the 45 pick, is basically just random on whether it's not going to work. So, you know, the Wolves have kind of been clicking a little bit lately, and I think that's about what kind of second you're looking for, is like in the low 40s range, or obviously lower if possible. But, you know, I think it is funny, because Haha, Forbes is coming back. But I, I think that deal makes legitimate sense. I mean if the Spurs are willing to accept one second I think that deal makes sense for both sides um I just think that's an interesting evaluation you know when mm-hmm. they're they're asking price for Doug McDermott is a little bit higher which there's nothing against either player that's just for what I like to value in like a player who's helping with the roster um yeah, that's interesting. I think if what they're looking for is is at least one second round pick, I think that Wolves
2: deal actually sounds pretty good to me. Okay, okay. So this one, I, I don't know if the deal is actually on this page, but I think they are going to. If if they get offered a second round pick or or even or even two second round picks for Richardson this week, I think they're going to they're going to say yes to whichever team that is. Again, I don't know if it's one of these teams on this page or one of these specific deals, but I think that just because he is an unrestricted free agent. Um, you know, and, and they're probably going to lose him this off season. And so I think that if they could just get any kind of draft asset for him, I think they're going to say yes uh, this week in a deal. And then if they don't, I I also wonder, you know, do they end up doing a contract buyout with him? Just kind of doing him a solid saying, Hey, you know, you're a veteran, you've done a great job, you know, re- guiding these young guys, you know, we're going to buy out the rest of your $12 million deal this season and go, you know, go find a contender to go try to you know win a championship with. So, so again, I just feel like if there's a deal there for even just one second round pick, I think they're going to say yes this coming week. It may not be one of these specific deals, but I do I I don't know if it was you and I that had this conversation, but I think Richardson is the most likely player to move this coming week. Do you still agree with that? I would think so,
1: especially you know like if especially if they really feel like he's going to leave. And you know we talked about it earlier. Trey Jones is hurt. The Spurs need a starting point guard. They can get that in Forbes Branham. You know, definitely it's hard for him to be. He's he's just a first year player. So mm-hmm. bring in Forbes, put him in front of Branham. Everything's going to be all right, Spurs fans. He'll take us home. <laughs>
2: Oh man. So <laughs> if I want to watch. All right. And so the last the last player is Doug McDermott. And again, we're going to do the same thing like what we did, with Richardson. We'll kind of put I'll put everything in um, together and you can tell me which ones you agree with or not. Uh so um who says no on Doug McDermott? So uh what are the Spurs seeking? According to Michael Scotto, they are seeking one to two for second-round picks. Now we do want to note that McDermott uh, has two years on his deal, so he's not on a one-year deal like Richardson or Pirtle. Um so according to Profit X, their best team fits are the Chicago Bulls, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Warriors, and the Nuggets. Uh, uh, so a recommend a recommended trade package from the for the with the Bulls would be Javante Green for Doug McDermott. To build a deal like this would take like Green, Kobe White, and Tony Bradley and a second round pick for McDermott. Uh, the Pelicans, the, the, the deal that's recommended by Profit X would be Garrett Temple, Kira Lewis Jr., and Willie Hernan Gomez for McDermott. Uh, we do want to note that that um that New Orleans also has second-round picks. It would be very tough to find a trade with the Lakers unless they're, you know, they're putting Westbrook in this deal. And of course, those first-round picks. So I don't think that's happening with the Lakers. Uh, the Warriors, um, Profitex recommends James Wiseman and Tyrone, uh, Ty Jerome for McDermott. But again, in this case, I think the Spurs are giving up draft, draft assets if the Warriors are trying to send out Wiseman. I think they're going to hold on to him. Uh, they want a bigger package for him uh, than just Doug McDermott. And then it's tough to find a deal with Denver. And just like Josh Richardson, um, it is. there's no team that has a large enough trade exception for McDermott's contract. What Are, are there any deals that you think uh, two teams would say yes to on, on, on this uh, page? Colin? Yeah, I think um
1: what makes it tough is is the pelicans and the bulls deals i think do sound good to the spurs like as like a construction um in several reasons for several of them uh i i I like kobe white i know that he just he 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 might be a rotation player you know i think it's worth taking those gambles on that kind of player i think what's hard though is in both of those deals the spurs are sending out one player and bringing in three and i think they are already using their roster spots to evaluate players and to have to all of a sudden waive, you know, two players because now they have, mm-hmm. like, this roster surplus. Like, I mean, they would do that if, if they felt like it was a good deal. It's just, it's kind of hard because, like I said, they're already trying to use their roster spots on evaluating players and especially if they make a purdle deal while they bring in surplus players. You know, that's, it's just, it's, it's a lot for a team to kind of have to figure out where they're evaluating players on the fly Um, I do think that Warriors deal, um, I mean, I I look at it with some intrigue in terms of the Spurs bringing back like the the ultimate second draft guy ever of all time would be James Wiseman. But I I just like sending out assets right now. I mean, if they want to take that protected first from Charlotte this year, then that might be something that I would look into doing, (laughs) but that's not going to convey. Yeah, I, I... like I said, I, when, I, when I think of like the second draft guys, bring them into a new situation and see how they succeed, like James Wiseman might be like the ultimate example of like a guy that intrigues in that. Uh, but yeah, giving up assets right now is just hard for the Spurs if it's not one of those three players we've been talking about.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and so this one too, I'm not really uh, thrilled with any of these deals. And I feel, I feel like, like I've said before in this podcast, I just don't think they're in a rush to trade McDermott. You know, he signed up for a multi-year deal, and I think they're just going to let him um, that out unless they get a really good deal for him. And so I think that again, they're not going to be in any in any urgency to, to move him this week. And and again, if if they don't move him, it's fine. They have him on, on the on the team for next year, and then I think next year becomes that year where they really look more aggressively at shopping him. And if they don't move him, maybe like buying him out so he can go join a contender kind of thing. So again, Doug signed up for a multi-year contract, and I think that they intend to to keep him on that multi-year. Contract contract to kind of be that that shooter off the bench that veteran presence in the locker room and again unless there's like a deal that totally blows them away i i think mcdermott ends up staying on this team in this coming week i don't see him getting moved all right so um let's see so yeah i mean that was it uh, did you have any last thoughts colin going into this trade deadline uh, any last um, things you want to tell the, the, the audience yeah i think
1: i think that was just looking at the teams with projected cap space i think was really eye-opening for me in terms of why i feel like the spurs are going to keep um yaka pertle Uh, And I know I said the two teams were the Thunder and the Spurs. I'm not going to go through the list here, but, you know, I know Pirtle has been pretty clear. He likes the Spurs culture. He likes staying there. It wouldn't be the end of the world if he were uh, to stay there for longer, but also, you know, he does want a chance to compete, uh, especially as he's entering kind of the middle stages of his prime here. So I think it's just a very interesting situation. I think people love uh transactions so much. Yeah. <laughs> I think people are like, "What are those birds going to get for fertile?" And it's hard to tell people, "Well, you know, you're going to have to wait 5 months, honestly. <laughs> That's not mm-hmm. something people love to hear, but I honestly think that might be the most realistic thing at this point. Um just one like funny thing that happened was so in not last year, but the 2 years before that, I took off from work for the trade deadline because I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to get any work done, like I want to focus on it and the Spurs did nothing like nothing happened those trade deadlines were boring Mm -hmm. and then last year was like I was like you know I'm done I'm gonna work like I don't care and uh that's when they actually the Derek White trade which is pretty big you know it it was like okay
2: (laughs) so I, I am
1: working this year so if the Spurs fans want fireworks at least they have that pattern going for them
2: yeah, no, I, I totally understand there. And so, um, sportscast. This is the way I, I did want to update you on the schedule of how it's going to work this week with the trade deadline week. So, if there's a um, you know, a breaking trade, like a, like a, like a you know, not like the what they had last time. who was it? Noah Vonley got traded recently. Remember, like that level of trade, but if it's hurdle, Richardson type. Trade, um, and I will record a Spurs cast before um, the deadline just to kind of go over it before that happens. But if it's a tr- if there's trades that happen on the deadline, obviously I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically recap the trade deadline on Thursday uh, evening uh, just to kind of go through all the trades that the, that the Spurs participated in or if they didn't participate in any trades, well then I'll go through you know what does this mean for the future regarding the players that remain on the team. So uh, thank you to Colin for joining me here on this episode of the Spurs cast. I also want you to say thank you to Joe Garcia for mixing and producing this episode. From all of us at Project Spurs, stay safe and have a great day.